Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. You know, it's those times in life when you try to quantify the unquantifiable, and uh, it feels like the theme for our show, but you know what, if you're within the sound of my voice, guess what? You are in the seats with once more, as always. My name is Dave Voigt, and I'm the host of this podcast, where we sit down with a wide-ranging variety of entertainment industry professionals, and we pick their brain about current projects, state of the industry, how they got started, and so very much more, in a light and in a conversational fashion. And you know, if you like how we do things around here, I'm going to go in on a limb, and assume that you do, because, uh, let's face it, you're listening right now, and if you are, subscribe. Hit that subscribe button, give us your five-star rating on your podcast provider of choice. We're available pretty much everywhere, places like Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and plus, we archive every single one of our episodes over at our In The Seats YouTube channel. So if you can give us a like and subscribe there as well, we would absolutely appreciate it. Also, don't hesitate to check us out on social media. We're on the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, the Letterbox, the TikTok, and, well, probably a few other places, too, at In The Seats for all sorts of fun updates. And finally, and I do dare say most importantly, please pay us a visit over at In The Seats in the seats.ca for all the latest and greatest from the world of film, television, basically the moving image at large. Because guess what? If we love to watch it and write about it and talk about it, we'd love it even more when you come by and read about it and listen about it. So do us that kindness and please pay us a visit. On this episode, we're going back to the Toronto International Film Festival with a movie that is hitting limited theatrical run and launching on Apple TV+. Plus. Well, today, right now, it's called Fingernails from director Christos Nico, and it stars Jesse Buckley and Riz Ahmed and Jeremy Allen White. It's uh, it's an interesting little piece. It's, it's the story of Anna and Ryan, who have found true love, and it's been proven by a, 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 this controversial new technology that is taking the guesswork out of love and putting it all together and it's 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 this it's people are a little weirded out about it but they're they're going with it because you know at their heart of hearts everyone's lonely you know but uh anna's not sure and then she takes a position at this new institute and then she meets amir and then things get complicated it's it it's a love story there's allegory to it there's a little bit of sci-fi. It's it's a fascinating, fascinating kind of piece, and it was shot most of it anyway. Uh, was shot in here in Toronto in our own backyard, and uh, at the festival we had the unique pleasure of sitting down and talking with director uh, Christos uh, Niku. Uh, if you don't know that name, you might. Uh, there was a movie that came out a couple years back. What was it called? Uh, yeah, Apples. It was a really, really interesting film. It was one of those ones that came out during the pandemic that, uh, you know, you, you probably took a flyer on. But it was a darn good movie, and he follows it up here with uh, fingernails. And, uh, again, it's this is the kind of movie that's for people that uh, is that are going to want to think and going to want to talk about things and really sort of play with ideas. And, I mean, uh, this guy has a really fantastic... Uh, pedigree and he got to work with uh with Richard Linklater on uh Before Midnight I mean if any if there's any films that talk about sort of the uh the complexities of love uh, it's the Before series that's for darn sure but uh again this is one of those films you should check out 
And this is one of those films, which is why I think Apple TV Plus is one of the better streaming services out there, because they're not afraid to really put out some interesting, interesting stuff. And this film certainly qualifies, like I said. Uh, you can go check it out in theaters, uh, limited theaters, today. Or if you have Apple TV+, Plus, just fire it up right, right now. But first, enjoy our talk with Christos, because uh, between you and me, it's a darn good one. But, I mean, just to kick things off officially, I mean, I just want to say thank you so much for the time today. I really do appreciate this. And, I mean, and congratulations on the movie. Thank you so much. Now, I guess my first question is, like, walk me through the origin of the story because at least for me as a fan whenever i watch sort of that near future that thing that's almost here i get more weirded out i get more terrified than if it was like you know spaceships or monsters or anything crazy like that what was the initial idea for this film like where did the ball start rolling for you um first of all i always believe i mean when we're because i'm, I'm trying to create worlds mm. in a way uh, but I'm not trying them to create in the near future, maybe more in the near past in a way. Uh, which is because I believe also that somehow uh, our, I mean, in order to tell a story like this, you need a conceptual story. It's very easy to say it in a futuristic way. Yeah. But it's much more powerful, I think, when you're making it grounded. You're making yes. it very close to the real world by changing only one small condition, one small rule in this world and make a comment about our society because it's an allegory. It's not actually science fiction for me. It's more, I would call it more an allegory. That's fair. No, that is completely fair. Aromatic allegory and not aromatic science fiction movie. Um, And the idea came to me when I was trying to understand what is love. And I was trying to understand why I cannot find love. And I was trying to understand why love is so difficult in our lives right now. And I was seeing around me people that I have never used dating apps. I don't have social media, but I was seeing people using dating apps swapping with their fingers where our nails in order to find love <laughs> so they were they are only using their fingers in order to find an answer about who is the perfect yeah. couple for them yeah and that's how the idea came i mean that that idea of, of you know swiping to 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 quantify the unquantifiable is inherently ridiculous but it's so fascinating at the same time because it's something so many people do and I mean it almost feels I mean to a degree it's kind of funny that you shot this on 35 when it's it's dealing with issues that you know are on our cell phones (laughs) yeah exactly and I mean it's one of those things where even in watching it it felt like if you had shot this digitally it would have felt like a different movie how important was it for you to actually shoot this on film and give it that more tactile sensation? We wanted to, I mean, in general, the whole movie we create something a little bit more timeless. Yeah. We created something a little bit more analog. Yes. So for me, it was very important to shoot it on 35 and to give that feeling that it's a movie that maybe somebody shot in 90s. Mm. And it was a prophecy about our life right now. But they saw it on nineties and it's like it's like how Truman Show, for example, how you are seeing Truman Show right now. Yeah. That is a movie on, from nineteen ninety eight, but it's an amazing prophecy about what we're living right now. So that's what we were trying to create. To create a movie that looks a little bit more has the look of a nineties movie or timeless movie. That it's I mean, because the last reference in the film is from nineteen ninety eight, I think it's uh, Notting Hill. When they're watching in the cinema the Hugh Grant uh, movie, and in general, Hugh Grant is the only guy in the world who knows what is love. Uh, 
So we try to to play with uh, all this. I mean, in general, we try to create a playful world, but in an analog way. And I think that the thirty-five was very, very important. Well, and I love that you say that too. Like just sort of making something that'll be timeless because we can watch so many different films and TV shows and feel like they're of an era. But it's the ones that don't feel like they're of an era that sustain and last. And I mean, for you as an artist, has that always been, I mean, I don't want to say the driving goal, but I mean, one of those things that's always in the back of your mind. Like, I can't make this of a moment. I have to make this universal. Uh, yes, I, I'm i always saying, even when uh, it's, it's funny, I will say something to you right now, but it's not exactly... But when, for example, even we're discussing about for the poster of the film, and we're discussing, okay, oh, Jeremy at the moment is the hottest uh, actor in... Uh, and I'm saying, but this movie will exist forever. And that's what we have to think, that we're not making something only for right now, but we have to think how we're making something that will exist forever. And it is forever. Movies are forever. I mean, we're watching movies from 30s and 40s. Of course, We love yeah. them so much. Of course. We yeah. discover movies that nobody has discovered on their time right now. So I think that, and I hope that cinema will exist 50 years from now and people will start discovering all these films and will be like, but oh. Well, no, and I'm with you on that. Absolutely. And I mean, it's one of those things where, especially in a story like this, you've got to have the right casting. And I mean, I th- like having Riz and having Jesse there is such a unique dynamic there and I mean I've got to imagine for you especially early on I'm sure you were sweating and painting over trying to find the right people for the right parts uh, it was it was really great first of all to work with them because yeah. Enris and Jesse are two of my favorite actors and it was when I made them the offer that they said yes I was like okay yeah <laughs> we are we are good <laughs> we will uh, we will try to make a great film now so and then uh, the tricky thing was by having these two very strong characters, how we would have found find uh, found another one that would play the third person in this uh, relationship in a way, which is, and we didn't want to, to find somebody that was making the bad and the good guy, so it would make it very easy, but something that would make it more complex, because love is complex, and our decisions are always about this. So. Uh, and Jeremy for me was the perfect option for that mm. no for sure for sure not I mean I'm curious because I mean obviously you're a filmmaker who hasn't come out of the Hollywood sort of scene quote unquote but this is the first time also you're working in English if I'm correct right and this is one of those things that I'm always kind of wild about the more I see of like the streaming boom and just the way theaters are going and the way people are starting to consume cinema you know, hopefully on the big screen, but I mean, even if you've got to watch it at home on your 40-inch or 50-inch, it's it's the spirit of cinema is still there. And I mean, I'm kind of curious, has your approach to the job changed the way you make films, seeing how the world is kind of consuming them now? Because at least from a North American standpoint, there is more of an openness to, to voices and storytellers from all across the world, no matter what language they're working in. Um, I am trying to to stay very loyal to what I always had in my mind mm. about this, to be honest. Because if I will think how people are consuming these things, and right. how uh, in Greece, for example, when you are getting into the tube, 
Yeah. Most of the people are watching on their cell phones. Yeah. Uh, TV series, TV shows. Yeah. And they don't even, because they're using subtitles, they don't even have a sound. They're just reading the subtitles. Right, right. And when you think that you're creating something of 35 millimeter and the other person will watch it there, oh you, feel that, you feel that, okay, we're fucked up. <laughs> I mean, that's not cinema. But for me, cinema is pay attention and being it's something like really magical. It's when I am, when I am in a theater, I just want to, you know, to, to follow the journey of the whole film, to just be there, be fascinated, feel all with all my emotions, everything, and uh, just forget everything about life and just be there. And, uh, and, and that's what I hope that movies will continue making to the audience. And I hope that people will return to cinemas, they will start watching again movies in theaters. It goes great with Barbie and Oppenheimer this summer. We saw how after the pandemic, Cinemas can still survive. It, it, can, it, still, it can happen. Yeah, it absolutely. can happen. So we just need good movies. We need good authors. We need good stories. We need different stories. We don't need generic, basic things. And we need uh, unusual and in unique stuff to to make the audience follow them. People are willing to make that investment if you if you give them the right material. Uh, I, I 100% agree with you on that. Yes, because we're educating the audience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you will go in the most let's say uneducated villains, uh, people that have never listened before music and you will give them Beethoven and Mozart, they will love it. Of course, yeah. Because it's the first thing that they will listen. Yeah. Yeah, but it's much easier to create bad things because it's much, I mean bad things, not bad, I mean stuff that is not good because it's it's much easier to, pro to, to product them. But that's why we, have, we are responsible to make good things for the audience because we are educating them and the audience is very clever it's much more clever than what we believe no and, and I mean you're right too and I mean it's interesting how we get these swells and I mean I love I love the music comparison you brought up because I mean okay there's nothing wrong with the pop this or the k-pop or the music or that's like if people love it fine that's great but it doesn't devalue the Beethoven and the Mozart and to be able to it's un so important to be able to have those those swings to, to sort of remind audiences it's like no okay this is here but no remember this is going on over here Let, let's let's do that too you know <laughs> exactly and we need that for sure man now, we need that. this is a silly question but I mean just to start putting a bow on this whenever I get to talk to filmmakers like you I mean obviously most of us in this business come to it as fans first what were the movies that you saw as a young man that made you want to start making that investment and really start being a storyteller? Uh, when I was 14, the movie that made me to want to be a filmmaker, I remember it still when I watched it on cinema, it was The Truman Show. I love that film so much because I think that it's, it's a movie with the perfect balance, the perfect balance between melancholy and a comedy between uh, how you can create a world, but also create it very grounded, how you are making a conceptual story, but telling the story through character. So it had all these great balances for me. That, uh, that's what exactly I'm looking to conceptual stories to make. And uh, I was so fascinated, I said, okay, I, I want to tell stories like that. And I was always, I think that since 16, I started writing 
crazy scripts. Like <laughs> uh, and uh, yes, that was always the idea, how we can uh, make films like that. And uh, of course, I have favorite filmmakers like Bresson, Casavetis, I love Carax, I love Godard. Um, but I also love a lot the Charlie Kaufman stories. Uh, I love a lot the narrative cinema. I love Mike Mills. Mike Mills is one of my favorite filmmakers. Oh, my God. Yeah, Mike Mills, so underrated, yeah. He's the most underrated filmmaker. I mean, what he did, for example, in Be Beginners is probably my favorite movie of the last decade. What he did in Beginners... That movie is so genius, yeah. He, he's a genius. He's a really... He, and he's also the nicest guy, if you will meet him in person. So, uh, it's. I hope that they will give him the chance to make more and more and more films. For sure, man. But I mean, I hope they give you the chance to make more and more films because I love, I love that you brought up Truman Show because it goes back to your point about wanting to make something timeless. And I mean, that plays, I mean, it's the 25th anniversary of this year and I mean, that plays so beautifully now. And it still plays. And I mean, I think your film is going to have a chance to play on those kind of levels even 25 years down the line. I think it's, it, it's, it's, it's one of those movies that really has that chance to... To, to capture that zeitgeist and sort of really dissect the the silliness of, of trying to quantify love because we do live in such a day and age where it's you want the tactile, you want the, the quantifiable, the discernible, but when it comes to emotions like that, you kind of have to throw the rule book out the window and just go with your gut. And I mean, it's just an amazing thing to see and I think you've really captured something with this film. But honestly, my friend, thank you for the time today and uh, thank well, you so thank much for you. the work. Thank you so, so much. Really, I really, really appreciate it. I really <laughs> appreciate your kind words. I really hope that you love the film. And don't forget to, to visit our friends over at Bay Street Video for all your DVD, Blu-ray rental or purchasing needs this summer as they are still open for curbside and some mailing delivery as well. Over at 1172 Bay Street, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, you can give them a call at 416-964-9088. That's 416-964-9088. Or send them an email at baystreetvideoto at gmail.com for any of your DVD and Blu-ray needs.